We already knew that Hillary Clinton is a giant, giant, giant liar. Today, she sank to a new low. She blamed Ambassador Chris Stevens for his own death in the Benghazi terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2012. She was appearing before the House Select Committee on Benghazi, and she laid it on incredibly thick when she explained how much she really, truly loved, cared for Chris Stevens. She said, I'm here to honor those we lost and to do what I can to aid those who serve us still, which all sounds very pretty. She touted her friendship with Stevens. She touted his stellar service record. She suggested how deep her personal feelings for Chris Stevens ran. She even said that she'd lost so much sleep over Chris Stevens. She didn't explain why she addressed her close personal friend, Chris Stevens, as Chris Smith just before midnight on the night Stevens died in her emails. I've never done that with my friends. Clinton State Department refused over and over again to grant requests for additional security to Chris Stevens. He asked them over and over again. His very last diary entry before he was murdered in the terrorist attacks on Benghazi September 11th, 2012, said, quote, never-ending security threats. Hillary, however, she said that Chris Stevens felt comfortable in Benghazi. She then said she took responsibility for what had happened in Benghazi and then blamed him for wearing a short skirt, essentially. She said that Stevens understood the risks of the job and she wouldn't want the tragedy of his death to be compounded by a bunker mentality among diplomats, meaning that they don't go out and hang out with the people. She said that Stevens felt comfortable on the ground, even though there was no evidence to that at all, and repeated cables asking for additional security turned down by her own State Department. Now, was Hillary culpable? Well, she said, no, I'm not culpable. She actually said that she was both fully aware of the situation on the ground, so she wasn't negligent, but then she was totally out of the loop with regard to the decision-making. She blamed unnamed security professionals for not greenlighting Stevens' requests, even though she never fired anyone at any time, and her undersecretary for management, Patrick Kennedy, received the requests. On the other hand, she also said that her lack of email with regard to Libyan security in the run-up to the attacks, that wasn't due to negligence or because she had put it off on, on some subordinate. Instead, she said she didn't use email at all very much. She faxed her things, and people brought her hard copies of documents and briefcases. She even said she didn't have a computer in her office. Of course, all of this would be perfectly checkable if, for example, she had a State Department email address, if she didn't have, say, a private server, if she hadn't, say, deleted like 30,000 emails, then we could actually check if this is true. Uh, we can't, because she deleted all the emails and had her own private server. Now, even if Hillary's story were true, it's pretty telling that she regularly exchanged emails with Clinton hitman Sidney Blumenthal, but that Chris Stevens didn't have a private email address. So she would email with Sidney Blumenthal over and over about Libya, but Chris Stevens, who's in Libya as her ambassador and is in danger, he doesn't have her private email address. So much with that personal, close relationship with the dead man. Those weren't Hillary's only stumbles today. She said the Accountability Review Board, which was stacked with Hillary's allies and didn't interview her at all, she said they did a hard-hitting report, even though the report is garbage. She didn't explain why she blamed a YouTube video for the Benghazi attacks in the first place. Her emails even showed that she emailed her family the night of the attacks, blaming what she called an Al-Qaeda-like group. She admitted or feigned ignorance that the State Department had been meeting with Al-Qaeda members in Libya before the attacks. The most important takeaway, though, this caring, generous, kind-hearted woman was happy, happy to cast aspersions against a dead man in Benghazi, a dead man she had rejected additional security requests for. Hillary said he knew the risks. Well, he didn't. He didn't know the risks of working for a dangerous liar like Hillary Clinton. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Okay. Tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. 
Okay, folks, so Hillary Clinton was on the Hill today talking with the House Select Committee on Benghazi, and she was just lying up a storm, but she appeared calm. She appeared like she was in control. And the media were, were all touting her appearance. They were saying that she just looked great. It was a great performance, which, of course, begs the question, why exactly is it that when somebody is called to testify in an open hearing, it's the level of the performance the media is concerned with. Wouldn't you be concerned more with like the level of the truth of what the person is saying? It just demonstrates what a liar she is, truthfully, what a liar she is, that all they're focused on is the level of her performance. What she said today was truly evil and egregious. I mean, she said that Chris Stevens was basically responsible for his own death. And the reality is that Chris Stevens died because Hillary Clinton decided she wanted to invade Libya because she wanted her her big macho moment. So we invaded Libya for no apparent reason. And then after it turned into a terrorist hellhole, she was hesitant to admit it had turned into a terrorist hellhole. So she didn't give Chris Stevens additional security. Plus, apparently, according to the hearings today, there were emails that were showing that Chris Stevens was meeting with terrorists in what was essentially a gun buyback program from terrorists, which was utterly ineffective. And it ended up with him dead. Of course, Hillary said today she, she had her, her emotional outburst about halfway through the, the morning hearing. She said in the morning hearing that no one had lost more sleep over this whole situation than Hillary Clinton had. Well, she didn't lose a lot of sleep the night Chris Stevens died. She got all of her sleep the night Chris Stevens died. And I'm sure she has lost a lot of sleep since then, considering that it could hurt her presidential chances. But the good news for Hillary, she now has an unobstructed path to the nomination. Joe Biden yesterday, the vice president, announced that he was out. He was not going to run for president of the United States. He said it was all because of his son, Bo. He said Bo died and, and we were all grieving and then we sort of ran out of time, but otherwise I would have run. It's not true. I'm sure he is grieving, of course, and obviously all of our sympathies go to him and his family on that. But the idea that his son's grieving process, the, the grieving process for his son, was really responsible for him not running is, is sheer nonsense. He could have jumped in next week. He could have jumped in next month. There actually still is time. What happened is that he looked at all of the donors and he looked at all of the numbers and he figured he wasn't going to win anyway, so why not just go out on top, go out as a vice president, well-known for his, his myriad stupid sayings, as opposed to a candidate who's failed, what is it now? He, he tried to run in 84 but didn't. He ran in 88 and lost. He considered running in, in 1992 but didn't. He considered running in 2000 but didn't. He considered running in 2004 but didn't. He ran in 2008 and lost, and now he's considered running and didn't. So... He, he basically has spent his entire career thinking about or running for president. Well, in his speech yesterday, which will long be forgotten, he, he, he receded into the hairline of history, but before doing so, he gave this really telling speech because it just shows how incoherent the left's ideas are. And because Joe Biden is out of the race, by the way, Hillary Clinton, don't worry about the Benghazi hearings. They don't mean anything to the media. The media will pretend they don't exist and that Hillary Clinton is a wonder child and that the Republicans are all mean and nasty that they're asking partisan questions. See, it's not, here's the deal, folks, in a nutshell. It's not partisan to invade Libya for partisan reasons. It's not partisan to deny security for partisan reasons. It's not partisan to set up a private server and delete your emails for partisan reasons. It's not partisan to take emails from Sidney Blumenthal. It's not partisan to set up a partisan accountability review board. It is partisan to ask questions about any of those things. That's the media's narrative today. Anyway, back to Joe Biden for a second. Joe Biden's speech was telling in that it sort of spilled out drunk uncle fashion, exactly what Democrats think all the time. I mean, Joe Biden was accused back in the 80s and, and had plagiarized speeches from a British politician named Neil Kinnock. Neil Kinnock was not available to plagiarize from, so 
Joe Biden instead decided to plagiarize from a drunk homeless man that he found on the street the day before. So he, he, he announced he wasn't going to run for president, and then he proceeded to give his presidential nomination speech. <laughs> he gave a stump speech for about 15 minutes, and it was telling and, and somewhat entertaining only because of the incoherence. Let's go through a little bit of what Vice President Joe Biden had to say. This party, our nation, will be making a tragic mistake if we walk away or attempt to undo the Obama legacy. The American people have worked too hard, and we've come too far for that. Democrats should not only defend this record and protect this record, they should run on the record. We cannot sustain the current levels of inequality. Can pause it right there for a second. <laughs> okay, so. We have to run on the Obama record. It's the greatest record that ever was. It's my record. It's his record. Also, things are awful. Also, things suck radically. And we have to run away from them as fast as possible. We have to fix all of the great things that we just did. All of those wonderful things, we must fix them. And if we don't fix them, then we have let down the next generation. That's where the incoherence starts, but that's not where the incoherence ends. Let's continue with, with Uncle Joe. By the way, he, he termed himself at some point during this speech, middle-class Joe. He said, oh, the media, they're constantly calling me middle-class Joe. No one except for Joe Biden has ever called Joe Biden middle-class Joe. No one has ever called Joe Biden middle-class Joe. They call him Uncle Joe because he's, a, he's kind of an idiot. Here's Joe Biden continuing. In this country, I believe the huge sums of unlimited and often secret money pouring into our politics is a fundamental threat to our democracy, and I really mean that. We need to commit to 16 years of free public education for all our children. <laughs> okay, let's pause we it again. Okay, so then he goes after the Citizens United decision. Ah, oh, there's all sorts of money flowing into our politics. This is the guy who's taken so much money from the unions, it would make your head spin. Right, the Obama administration, Obama's the only candidate in American history who converted his actual campaign operation into a separate organization just to raise money for his causes. Right, Obama for America, OFA, became, became organizing for action, right, OFA, after he won his, his election. He actually just kept it running as a separate interest group and raised money using it. Media Matters is out there picking up George Soros money. Talk about Clinton Global Initiative, anybody? But according to Joe Biden, the real problem is unaccountable money in politics, of course, all from right-wingers. And then he gets into free education, and Bernie Sanders has been preaching free education, free college education for everybody. It is worth noting a couple of things. One of the reasons that Americans are so indebted right now is because they've all taken out loans to go to college. One of the reasons they took out loans to go to college is because they were told that if they go to college, they'll have a job afterward. And they don't have a job afterward because majoring in lesbian dance theory, it turns out, is not great qualification for being vice president in Chase Manhattan Bank. It is great qualification for sitting out in an Occupy tent and crapping yourself. But aside from that, there are no other qualifications. But the Obama administration and the left have been telling everybody they need to go to college. So there are no jobs available for people after high school. Right? So what they did by making high school free and college cheap is they drove everybody to finish high school and then go to college. But because everybody was doing that, they decided they had to also water down what high school was. So people graduate from high school and have no qualifications anymore, whereas it used to be if you graduated from high school, you were actually qualified to do a few things. Now you're qualified to do nothing. And then you go to, to college where you're even less qualified to do things. So now he wants to make that free. So everybody will then go to college, which will then be watered down because it's free. And we don't want to be spending unlimited sums of money. So we'll have to push people out the other end of college. And then we'll have to make grad school free. And eventually it'll turn out 
that you'll go to school when you're five and you'll leave when you're 80 and you'll work for two years and then you'll be owed 17 years of back wages on Social Security. That's the eventual plan here. Joe Biden continues, and he has big thoughts about what the country should be like, Joe Biden, and it's a pity he didn't run, not because he's smart or because he's good, but because he's wildly entertaining. I mean, this, this little speech that he gave here was more entertaining than anything Hillary Clinton has ever done in her entire life. Oh, that 12 years of public education is not enough. Children and childcare is the one biggest barrier for working families. Okay, let's pause I believe we need there for one second. Children and childcare is the biggest barrier for working families are, number one. Second of all, by the way, Bush got clobbered over this sort of stuff. I mean, when Bush used the singular as opposed to the plural, they made, they made calendars out of it, right? Joe Biden says this kind of stuff routinely, no big deal. Children, I love that Democrats pretend to care about children when they are aborting them en masse all over the United States. A million children a year. Usually they don't have to worry about child care because they kill the kids before they have the chance to be born. It's very convenient. It means that you really don't have to worry about cost containment because they're dead. Um, but then he wants free child care for everyone. And that free child care will, of course, be paid for by the people who are still working, right? Those people who theoretically could be married taking care of their own children. See, I don't need free child care for my kid because I work. I don't need free child care for my kid because my wife works. And if we couldn't afford it, then my wife or I would stay home with the kid and one of us would work and we would take care of our child. But apparently now I'm supposed to take money away from my kid to give to somebody else so that they can neglect and, and pay no attention to their child, which is really exciting. And Joe Biden continues along these lines, and here's where he gets to the heart of the matter. What government can do and what government cannot do. Wait until you hear what Joe Biden has to say about foreign policy versus what he thinks government ought to do about cancer. More by the power of our example, as the president has, than merely by the example of our power. We have to accept the fact that we can't solve all the world's problems. We can't solve many of them alone. The argument that we just have to do something when bad people do bad things isn't good enough. I believe we have to end the divisive partisan politics. Okay, I'll pause it just ripping one second. We'll get to his take on cancer in just one second. But Joe Biden, when he says, number one, we have to, I, I hate, I hate that all politicians feel the need for what they call rhetorical inversions, right? Ask not what you can do for you. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country, okay? When you think about that for more than five seconds, you realize it makes zero sense. It actually makes zero sense. It sounds great because it's a rhetorical inversion, which always sounds good, but it doesn't mean anything. Because the truth is, you shouldn't be asking either what your country can do for you or what you can do for your country. You should be asking what you can do for your family and if your country is going to protect your right to do those things, right? The rhetorical invert, like, if you just asked what you could do for your country, you'd be a communist. If that were your only question, what can you do for your country, you'd be a communist. And if you asked what your country could do for you only, you would also be a communist, right? So the, the, both sides of the phrase don't make sense and they don't make sense in conjunction either. Biden does the same thing there. He says, we, we have to lead by the... By the power of our example as opposed to the example of our power. Okay, first of all, power doesn't set an example. Okay, Power is just what it is. And second of all, our, the power of our example has not made ISIS surrender, and it's not going to anytime soon. And then when he starts talking about divisive partisanship and all this, this is the guy, remember, this guy, who said that Mitt Romney was going to put y'all back in chains. And he's the king of nonpartisanship now. It's very exciting that we're led by such illustrious leaders here the, the part that really pissed me off about this speech though is what joe biden had to say about cancer because this is so it's just yeah we'll explain for your part and i think we can 
It's mean-spirited. It's petty. And I believe we need a moonshot in this country to cure cancer. It's personal. But I know we can do this. If I could be anything, I would have wanted to be the president that ended cancer. Because it's possible. Okay, stop. Every second. Okay, he, he, okay. So, government can't stop ISIS. Government can't stop Russia. But government can stop cancer. Okay, this is what the Democrats believe. Democrats believe that government can stop global warming, cancer, and farts. Right? Government can do anything. Government can do anything except the things that it's supposed to do, like protect you. Okay, at the same time, literally the same day that Joe Biden was out there saying that government should cure cancer. By the way, Joe, if you want extra funding for curing cancer, I have a few places you could cut in the budget, in your $4 trillion budget. I have a few places that you might be able to look. Right, but no. But, but the same day, literally the same day that Joe Biden is out there saying that government can cure cancer, the Democrats on the Hill had a party. Okay, they had a party to celebrate the Iran deal. They invited a full string quartet to play a party in the halls of Congress to celebrate an Iran deal that gives a nuclear weapon to Iran in 10 years and in the meantime funds their terrorist enterprise throughout the Middle East. So government can't stop Iran, but government can cure cancer. Okay, note to Joe Biden, government cannot cure cancer. It can't. Scientists can cure cancer. And if the suggestion is we need more government funding for cancer research, okay, well, I'm open to the idea of more government funding for cancer research. But how about we start cutting all of the crap that government is, is fight, government's fighting a war on poverty. Government's fighting a war on drugs. You can't fight inanimate objects. Okay, you just can't. It's not a war on cancer. And it's not government's job to cure cancer. It's government's job to stay out of the way. First of all, you don't believe there's a lot of private funding of attempts to cure cancer right now? I'll tell you why there's not enough private funding. It's because of Obamacare. Obamacare just created a medical device tax. That means that medical devices, new innovations, are being taxed at a very, very high rate in order to fund Obamacare. The same administration, Joe Biden's administration, that administration, where he's saying that cancer has to be fought, yesterday, the American Cancer Society came out and said that they were raising the standard for when women should have mammograms from 40 to 45. They didn't do that because women after age 40 don't need mammograms. They did that because Obamacare is not going to cover mammograms for women beyond a certain age. And the idea is, by the way, between 40 and 45, you stop doing mammograms, 14,000 women in America a year fail to get diagnosed and die of breast cancer if you fail to do mammograms in those five years. But Obamacare tries to ration care, and of course it's not as cost effective to screen younger people. So the administration that's cracking the whip on the medical industry, the, the, the same, Hillary Clinton declared the pharmaceutical industry her enemy, the drug industry her enemy in the last Democratic debate, and he's saying that he wants to cure cancer. Hey, this, the Democrats truly believe that government can do anything except the things that government can actually do. And the beauty of that perspective is it means that when government doesn't accomplish anything, the answer is always more government. Because if you believe that government is always the cure no matter what, and you take some government and doesn't cure you, well, the answer is you need more government to cure you. You need more government to cure you. Now, all of this is, is just utopianism. It's just all utopian garbage nonsense. And, and it's not unexpected that it comes from Joe Biden. Um, but it's, it's bled over into so many other areas of American life. It really has. For example, for example, the, the Democrats truly believe that they should be able to regulate anything and everything. They should be able to control everything. And so you have people like Luis Gutierrez, congressman. He says that Donald Trump shouldn't be able to appear on Saturday Night Live. He actually wants... If he could, he would like the government to crack down and stop Donald Trump from appearing on Saturday Night Live. There's not one area of American life. I mean, we can play him. There's not one area 
of American life that Democrats don't want to control, except the area where they actually protect your rights. Here's Luis Gutierrez from the floor of the House. Well, NBC installing Trump as NSL host may be good for ratings, NSL. but it is a bigger deal than a cameo or a Tonight Show guest. And I'm calling you out. If Donald Trump had said gays and lesbians were murderers and raping Americans, would he get to host the show? It is every bit as much a fiction and a lie. Donald Trump has said some pretty awful things about women individually and collectively, but what if he said most women were criminals? Would the writers be thinking up of sketches for Trump if he had slandered an entire gender rather than an entire ethnic group? Okay, this is a government actor. The First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States, Congress shall pass no law respecting freedom of speech, right? You can't impinge on freedom of speech. So what's he talking about? Why is he even on the floor of the House? But government can do anything. For the Democrats, government can do anything. And the fact is, truthfully, government can't really do much of anything. Government is bad at most things. Government is terrible at most things. Even in the, the Department of Defense, there's so much waste and, and so much just fat that could be cut by all available accounts. But the difference is that government is the only actor that's capable of actually fielding a full-scale army with weaponry. And so you sort of have to accept that waste exists. I mean, the army is not the most efficient place. But you accept it because that's what it's the only it's the only entity that is capable of doing what it does. The same is not true in all these other areas of American life. Naturally, the Democrats neglect the areas of American life where the government is unnecessary. Those are the places they believe government is most necessary. Well, all of this has been very dark and down, and so we figured that we'd end today. We'd part with you today with a with a video. And folks, for subscribers, you'll really enjoy this. If you're not subscribing, it'll just sound like a crazy guy beating the bongos. Um, but for subscribers, you'll enjoy this video. This is a video of Bernie Sanders from the last debate. Bernie Sanders, of course, has his wild hand motions explaining what socialism is and is not. And, uh, and Huffington Post, uh, they, they you, well, you'll see. You'll see. Here we go. Yes, that is Bernie Sanders beating on the bongos, folks. <laughs> Play you off with this. I am Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, 
Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.